Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I have Cassandra Wilder with me, and she is a naturopathic doctor and the leading expert in women's cyclical health. So I'm super excited to chat all things menstrual health and women's health with you today, Cassandra. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. So let's get a little background. Um, how did you first get interested in women's cyclical health? Yeah, I get this question a lot. And like many people that go into the medical field, we do it because we personally struggled with these issues. So when I was younger, I had very irregular cycles. And when I went to the doctor at that time, the only solution that was provided was birth control. And I remember even at that young age, looking at them like that, that's it. Like that's the suggestion you have for someone like me is, is just get on a, a medication. And so when I went to naturopathic school, I did it with this big this big desire really to figure out why there was such a gap in how we approach cyclical health and why there was still this stigma around women's reproductive health in general. This idea that we just don't really know how it works. It's too mysterious. It changes too much. So all we can do is, is birth control. So it was an amazing journey to start to dive into the massive gaps in research around hormones and menstruation, especially and start to provide real solutions for people. So hopefully I'm starting to help change this paradigm around women's health. I love that. And I just had a conversation the other day with a friend about how we just don't learn a ton about our own cycles, you know, growing up in schools and she was grew up in Australia. And so, mm. I mean, this is kind of a global issue of just, we don't know a ton about our bodies. Yep. Yep. It's, it's pretty staggering really when you think about it. Yeah. So how have you kind of went about, you know, helping, I guess, educate women or what's kind of the first step if people might feel a little overwhelmed of like, where do I even start? Yeah. Oh, there's, there's so many layers to that question. So it's so kind of have a few rabbit holes already in my mind, but yeah, when we think back to when we had our first menstrual cycles, I think it's fair to say that none of us got the education that we really wanted. Some of us had, you know, maybe a, a very biology, bio, excuse me, biology textbook version, you know, at school or something, something that was not very usable and still pretty confusing and kind of embarrassing, or maybe we had more of a shameful experience around our first menstrual cycle. And so a lot of us grew into this idea that menstruation is an inconvenience, it's dirty, it's gross. And then that's the story we continue to live really indefinitely until we stumble upon something that kind of helps us shift that narrative to what if this didn't have to be the worst time of the month? And what if I could learn how to work with my body rather than against it? And so I think the first step really is having that curiosity or that openness to understanding that none of us were taught the significance of our cycle. And most of us were taught to work against it, to medicate ourselves over it, to disconnect from it. And there is a different approach. There's an approach that allows us to be cyclical, to make space for our changing body and also to work with our hormones. Mm, I love that. Um, I want to know how Cause I think we've heard it, especially lately, you know, I've been seeing a lot about people talking about the moon cycle and then our own cycles. Um, and I know this is something that you talk a lot about too. How, how do you kind of make that first connection for people to maybe see like that lunar cycle and our own cycles are connected? Such a good question. Sometimes it's easier when you're teaching people about their cyclical nature as a person with their hormones and the different phases of their menstrual cycle, because your menstrual cycle is more than just your period. 
it's helpful to actually correlate it to something that's a little more, um, I guess, within our realm, something we do feel more connected to, and that is the moon phases. So every single month, every 29 and a half days, the moon is moving through massive changes. And what's beautiful to realize is that for thousands of years, women have synced and cycled with the moon phases. So think back to when women you know, lived in tents in these small villages, everything a woman did throughout her life was done in unison with the moon phases. And because these villages were so tight knit, all the women menstruated at the same time. And I think if we grew up with sisters or, you know, we've had roommates in college or something, we know that we know our bodies sync together and science has no explanation for this, which I think just makes it even more magical. And so most of these cultures would ovulate together with the full moon and would menstruate during the new moon. And so during that new moon, they would retreat into the red tent and they would bleed together. And it was this really sacred celebration. It was a, a rite of passage, which is so different to how we think about it now, right? Where it's, it's seen as such an inconvenience. Yes. And so when we look at the moon phases, there's four specific moon phases. And as women, we have four phases of our menstrual cycle. And so if we can start to plug each of those phases in, it makes it so much easier for us to understand our own bodies and how our own needs change throughout the month. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about like kind of the lunar cycle and our cycles, do you like to, cause I know a lot of people have different references. I know I kind of, I've been kind of trying to educate with talking about the lunar cycle that we're in. So like new moon, you know, with your bleeding phase and with the winter phase, is there a way that you kind of like to have people start learning names even of our own cycles? Cause I know for me in talking with people, they're like, oh, I hear you talking about like luteal phase, but when you say right. the season, I understand it better. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So you just touched on something so great. We can look at it as the moon phase or as the seasons. So if you want, we can touch on those four phases and kind of connect the dots even into our cycle. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. So if we think about the first phase of our cycle, which is our follicular phase, this is the phase after our period stops. And so this is seven to 10 days long. And it's easy to associate that with the idea of spring. So how do we feel after a long, cold winter? We're excited to get out and we feel more energized. Our estrogen is what's increasing during this phase. So that's why we have energy. We might feel sensual. We might feel really creative. Everything biologically is creating the perfect container for us to ovulate later in the month. And this would be associated with the waxing moon phase. So after the new moon, light starts to come back and energy starts to build. So isn't that beautiful? The moon, the seasons, our bodies, they're all doing the same exact thing at the same moment. By the time then we reach our ovulation phase, which is that time of the month when we can get pregnant, this is when everything in our being is the most energetic. This is when our libido surges, our body is in this prime mode of creation, both on a physical sense and an emotional sense. This would correlate to the summer. And how do we all feel at the summer solstice? We feel bold and creative. We're energetic. We want to be social. We want to be with our community. And then on the moon phase, the full moon. And even when we back up a little bit with the full moon wisdom, more babies are made on a full moon than any other time of the month. More babies are born during the full moon than any other time of the month. Crime is more prevalent during the full moon. So I think all that just demonstrates like there's a lot of activity mm. that the full moon inspires from us. Mm. Now, after ovulation, an interesting thing happens. Your hormones drop really, really rapidly. So estrogen and testosterone just like nosedive, which is why when we move into our luteal phase, we can feel things like PMS. We might feel more irritable or breasts may get tender. There's a lot of symptoms we tend to experience in that phase. 
And as you already mentioned, this would be that season of fall. So where we start to slow down a little bit, we're a little less energetic, we might feel a bit more reflective. And with the moon phases, this would reflect into the waning moon. So after the bold, big full moon, now we start to pull inward. It's a really, uh, yeah, I think just kind of imagining this inward motion is really powerful here. And especially if we're experiencing things like PMS or sensitivity or lots of emotions during this time of the month, it's powerful to look at it both on that physical perspective. So hormonally, what could be going on, but also more that energetic, or are we slowing down? Are we honoring this natural need to want to be a bit more introverted? Or are we still trying to operate in like full summer, full ovulation mode? That's definitely going to exacerbate these uh, underlying concerns. And then last, but certainly not least, we have our actual period. We all know when we're on our period, we're bleeding, releasing, shedding, so much is going on there. This is when our hormones are at their absolute low of the entire month, almost non-existent. This would correlate to winter, very still, quiet. What do we wanna do in the winter? Curl up on the couch with some coffee <laughs> and a big blanket and just kind of disconnect from the world. And that's exactly the energy of the period phase. And then on a moon phase, the new moon. And historically, this is when women bled altogether. And it was when they really honored this art of being reflective and introspective, looking at their life as a whole, what's working, what's not, and how can we release the things that are simply not flowing in alignment. So whether the seasons resonate with you more or the moon phases, or if you like the more, I don't know, technical terms of luteal and follicular and all that, I think someone will get something that resonates from each of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a lot of it. Cause I, I usually talk in the technical, but then I'm like, okay, yes, I, I'll break <laughs> it down more. Cause it, I mean, it makes sense. Yes. Um, you know, we all, cause when I started learning, I learned it from the moon phases first and then, mm-hmm. you know, slowly I'm like, oh yeah, all of it is connected, you know? Yes. Uh, and when we talk about these phases, I'm sure there, you know, different ways that we can kind of support ourselves through the phases, um, for our cycles. Cause you know, having cramps and having the PMS, like that is normalized in our society, but it is not normal. It shouldn't always happen. So what are some tips that you have to kind of help support ourselves during our cycles? Yes. That was such a beautiful distinction you made while something may be common, it's not normal. So we think of painful periods and 10 day periods. Um, yeah, we think of these really extreme symptoms as like, well, everybody deals with that, but that's not the case. And that's simply because we've been bred into this culture that dismisses women's reproductive problems. So that's an important note. And I'm glad you brought that up. Um, In terms of supporting our cycles, I think, especially if we can look at hormonally what's going on or look at the moon phase or the seasons, it does give us such a great blueprint to know how to honor ourselves at these different phases. For example, during our period, the best and most productive thing we can do is truly to rest, to take care of ourselves, to slow down, which is why we get these these cramps. And we all know that when we're cramping, what's what's the natural innate desire we have to slow down, to take a break, to rest, to lay down. Um, But our culture, again, kind of ingrains this idea that productivity equals worth. If you're not doing something, you're, you're lazy or you're I don't know, insert limiting, (laughs) limiting belief, whatever. Um, Whereas more of our follicular phase or our ovulation time, we're really going to feel energized and cared for by being productive, by doing and creating, by being in nature, by being really social. And then in more of that luteal phase, that inner fall, 
we will feel really energized by a lot of alone time by again, being reflective, journaling, um, sitting outside with our bare feet in the ground. So when we start to look at ourselves as cyclical beings, we give ourselves that permission to recognize that our needs change throughout the month, that we're not meant to be the exact same. We're not meant to be social all the time. We're not meant to be reflective and resting all the time. There's wisdom in learning how to read your own body and then honor what it is you actually need. Yes. I love that you, I think that's something that we are so ingrained in is like, you know, we need to operate in the same manner every day, day after day. And when I have women, you know, come on and do like a personal training session with me, if they're exhausted, I'm like, what day of your cycle are you on (laughs) day one? I'm like, okay, we're just going to do restorative yoga today. Like, Mm. you know, they're so tired and they're depleted. And I'm like, we don't need to push through. And one of my clients even asked me afterwards, she's like, well, I'll finish the workout later today. I'm like, no, 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 no. (laughs) I was like, let that go. Like that's our just kind of old programming of like, okay, well I'll do this then later since I, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not doing it now when I'm like, no, just just take a day off. Like it's okay. Take two yes. days off, you know? Um, and I know that's not possible like for everyone at all times. And I, you know, do you have any tips for people who might say, I would love to rest, you know, on that first day or two, but you know, I work a nine to five or, you know, I've got kiddos. Do you have any ways for them to sneak in a little self-care for themselves throughout their day? Yes. Great question. Because we all have this idea of resting with our period should be like a three day (laughs) get away from the the world. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And like, we honestly all wish that was possible, but it may not be accessible for everyone, probably not really for anyone, honestly. So what can we do instead? I really think it's powerful to remember. It's about the little things we do throughout the day that create that full experience. So even if that is going home an hour early on the first day of your period or communicating with your partner and asking them to watch the kids for an hour so that you can take a bath or opting for more of a a rejuvenating practice at night versus Netflix and chill. Those little things are going to build up to create that momentum of really caring for yourself. So don't get into the mindset of, well, if I can't get a, a 90 minute massage, like there's no point. Instead, think about something really gentle that you could do that really refills your cup. Yeah. Those are, those are great ideas. Um, and just kind of flows into your day, you know, Mm -hmm. rather than being like, here's my three hour for me time. (laughs) Exactly. We wish, but (laughs) Uh, so you kind of briefly touched on, you know, hormone imbalances. And I think that, you know, sometimes we might hear that, but we don't actually know what, what that means. So when you hear like hormone imbalances, what type of like symptoms are people looking for, or what might that look like, you know, in our bodies? Mm-hmm. Great question. And honestly, it can, it can look like so many different things. There can be so many different versions of a hormone imbalance, but they suspect up to 85% of all women have some form of a hormone imbalance. And so wow. I know it's kind of shocking when you, when you hear that. Um, and this is where it's even more sad for, for me, as I take on new patients and things, when I hear how they have kind of been dismissed repeatedly, um, you know, told like, oh, painful periods are just normal or sore breasts. What are you going to do? Rather than giving them that immediate help that would have prevented things from getting as bad as they did. So the most common hormone imbalances I see are things like high estrogen. We just live in a, an estrogen kind of world. And so when we have high estrogen, this may manifest into very heavy periods, long periods. We may see a loss of sex drive or vaginal dryness. Um, these people tend to hold extra weight in their low belly, kind of that, I think they call it the spare tire (laughs) where we just feel bloated and and 
an excess right there. This can also turn into fibroids. This can uh, turn into things like PCOS. So that's a really common one. Uh, on opposite scale, we can see low progesterone and that would look more like scanty periods or very irregular periods, or maybe their total cycle length is like 20, 21 days. So every 20 days they're having a period. That's definitely a low progesterone sign, severe PMS, uh, brittle hair. So those are kind of the two extremes, but we often forget that thyroid and cortisol related hormones are also hormonal imbalances. And so if we say have a very stressful job and our cortisol increases, this can also affect our thyroid and then also affect our sex hormones. And so it's all one in the same. Hmm. So if someone's like listening and they're like, oh man, I definitely fall in one of those categories. Um, and maybe their doctor is dismissing them. You know, what is kind of the next step for them? Like who should they see is, you know, a naturopathic doctor, a better option or, you know, what kind of advice do you have if people are kind of feeling stuck? Yeah, it is, it is so hard where I think, um, in Western medicine, it's just kind of not always the first uh, place that they think to go is hormonally. They, they tend to maybe think of different things as the, the forefront issue. So I'm not ever dismissing Western medicine or anything like that, but sometimes in the hormonal arena, I feel like there's better options. So a naturopathic doctor is excellent, or just an integrative physician can be really nice. Someone that's more of that bridge between natural and uh, Western. But what I would really encourage someone to do is to just actually get tested. So I do this with a lot of my clients where we do their hormone labs and that way I can actually see like, wow, progesterone is like non-existent or wow, it's your cortisol, it's your stress that's mm -hmm. causing all of these issues. That way we're not throwing darts in the night and yeah. instead can really specialize into what's going on. And sometimes it surprises you. You may check the boxes on high estrogen when in reality, it's more of a thyroid condition that we're dealing with. So mm. super, super different for everyone. Hmm. So that's good to know. So that would just be like a hormone test that they can get or ask for. Yeah. Yeah. So if you do decide to work with your, your medical doctor with all of this, yeah, getting a really comprehensive lab done um, with my clients, I tend to do the Dutch test. So we'll do all their sex hormones, but as well as cortisol, thyroid, and that really, really sets the tone for our next step. Perfect. Um, so I know that like, we just, you know, talked about a little bit with your cycles and the hormones and now irregular cycles is something that, um, also I think has been more normalized or just, we don't know even what normal looks like. And I know you said, you know, less than 20 days. So can you tell us what, like, what is a normal quote unquote healthy cycle look like? That's a good question. Ideally, we would like to see between 26 and maybe 33 days total for our total cycle length. And our period should be three to five days. It shouldn't be very painful. Our blood should be very vibrant and bright, um, not too many clots, next to no mucus. Uh, it should feel like an enjoyable experience. I know that sounds like a far, like a big statement maybe for some people, but it shouldn't be horrible. It shouldn't feel like you're going crazy every month. Um, but when we see really short cycles where we're having a, a period every 20 days or something, that's definitely a big hormonal indicator. And then also the extreme, if we're having 35, 40 day uh, cycles between periods, that's also something that needs to be addressed. So either way, this is telling us something is going on hormonally and with our ovulation. And as a naturopath, what my goal is, is to figure out why 
So is it a hormone imbalance? Is it, they got off of birth control and so they're not ovulating and therefore their period is super irregular. What's really going on and then addressing that. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's something that I've seen. Um, and even just knowing, cause I have people that will tell me, you know, things as a trainer and I'm like, ah, you know, and an Ayurvedic wellness counselor, I'm like, you know, 20 day cycles, like their doctor might be like, it's normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, you know, like I know this client in particular wants to have another baby and I'm like, I would probably get this, you know, checked out sooner than later. Um, you know, is stuff like this that we don't always know, or maybe we feel dismissed, um, you know, by the doctor. And so that's why I think it's so important just to show people other options. And, um, you know, like, as you talked about the Dutch test and just getting, you know, your panels read. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, as you're sharing about that client there, my heart just goes out to them. Um, just because, yeah, when, when our cycles are that short, it's, it's almost impossible sometimes to get pregnant until we address why the cycles are short and how to elongate them. Um, so there's kind of this, especially when it comes to PCOS, there's this trap that we can kind of get stuck in where we have PCOS. And so we have to be on birth control. And then because we're on birth control forever, when we want to get pregnant, now we have to do fertility treatments. And it just makes you wonder if someone could have paused at any point in that story and just said, can we maybe figure out why this is happening? Would that have saved someone so much grief? Mm, Yes. Yeah. I mean, and you just kind of, you don't always know. And I think that's where the education piece comes in, even at a, you know, in schools, you know, teaching, teaching young girls about their cycles. So we have a little bit more empowerment as we grow up and we can just learn. And I'm just even thinking, I'm like, oh, if if I would have known some of this from, you know, high school age, I could have, you know, been an even better condition, I guess, cycle wise than I am now, you know, so powerful. Um, so when you're talking about, you know, your cycles, you know, let's just say online on like social media, this is where I think sometimes it can get, um, I guess, generic in a sense. So I love that we're having this conversation and you're not like, this is for this person. And this is the only way. I mean, a lot of it is so personalized and so much of what's going on with your health. Cause I think sometimes we can get so stuck in the, well, I read this, you know, this online, I must be this, um, do you have any tips for people to kind of, when they're maybe searching online to not get sucked down a rabbit hole or, you know, to maybe encourage them to do their own research or go to a doctor of sorts that can help them get panels or whatnot? Yeah, it is so hard because when we're in that desperate state, it's so easy to put a lot of hope into someone else's experience, you know, where, um, I see this a lot, like, for example, with PCOS, where it it can feel so overwhelming and like, you have no idea where to start. And people are telling you, you'll never get pregnant. And, you know, just like really intense words are thrown around and yeah, you'll find yourself in like a keto blog and someone's like, I went keto and it cured me. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can do this. And it's, it's so challenging because what worked for one person isn't necessarily what will work for you. So instead I think the most important thing we can do in this, this moment, if we're feeling like definitely something's going on, I need help. I'm not exactly sure where to begin. The best place I think anyone can start is at least to start to track their cycle so that they have some awareness to where, when they go to work with a practitioner, they have some insights to provide. So that way we know our cycle length. We know what our period's doing. We know our patterns, like every luteal phase. My PMS is a week long and my partner is scared of me (laughs) and, or, you know, my breasts are so tender for like half the month, or I spot when I'm ovulating, 
that at the very least will set it up for success when you do decide to work with a practitioner. Because like you said, this, this very generic information can be helpful to a sense, but it can also keep us in this loop of yes. getting a little bit better and then declining. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get, I mean, I, I think all of us have at one point or another gotten yeah. stuck down the rabbit hole. We're like, oh yes, yes, yes. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, Yep. I mean, so I think, um, when you talked about tracking with your cycle, Um, so if someone's like brand new to this, what does that mean for them? So like, if you say track your cycle, can you just break it down? Like, here's what you should track. Yes. It's super, super easy. So the easiest way to do it is to just get a free app on your phone, or I think even iPhones now it comes with a tracker Mm. on it. So I think it's, it's there if you want it, or you can find one. I use one called life. Uh, there's flow, there's lots of good ones, but what that looks like then is every month when you get your period, you just track that. So you put in that, this is the day it started. This is the day it ended. And then throughout the rest of the month, it'll start to predict when you're maybe going to ovulate, when your next period will be. And it becomes the perfect little diary too, for other bits of information. So you can track when you're intimate in that way. If you're say trying to not get pregnant, you'll know when to be careful around your ovulation window. Or if you're trying to get pregnant, you'll know the best time to be intimate Uh, But then you can also track what your cervical mucus or your discharge is doing, uh, how your breasts feel, what your mood is like, what your libido is like. All of that paints a really powerful picture of your health. It was, uh, I think in 2008, they classified your period or your menstrual cycle as your fifth vital sign. And so that's how telling your total cycle is about your health, depending on how you feel throughout the month equates to overall wellness. Yes. I mean, and that's just amazing. Like again, the education piece of just knowing Mm -hmm. like, wow, our bodies are powerful. Yes. Um, I know for me, like I, I have a son, I have a four-year-old son, but, um, some people who are listening, like I shared a story about how my mom introduced when I told her I first got my very first period, she was basically like, here's some pamphlets. Here's your two options to, to wear Mm -hmm. good luck. Um, (laughs) is there, and I know your podcast is named goddess ceremony podcast. Um, So I wanted to ask you, is there a way that you could like, maybe if people are listening and have daughters and want to do a better job of maybe educating them or maybe a ritual or something like that, when they get their first period, is there any tips that you have or, you know, things that they could do to maybe make that a better experience for their daughter? I love this. This is so beautiful (laughs) because yeah, like you said, most of us did not have an empowering experience and we want it to be different for our children or for our nieces or or any young woman in our lives. So I think one important thing here is remember that they learn from us. And so if every month while they're growing up, they watch us hate our period or talk about our PMS or, you know, really paint it in a negative light that's, that's the biggest piece right there. So if we can show them what it looks like to slow down with our period and to honor it or to communicate about it, like today I have cramps and that's okay. So I'm going to rest. That is the biggest piece. Mm -hmm. So then after that, when they do actually start their cycle, yes, creating something that, that initiates them is really powerful. Some people will go one direction where they'll like do what they call a red party, where it's, it's like a birthday party, but I guess the, the young women that have started their period get to wear red and other women get to wear a different color, purple or black or whatever. Yeah. That's fun. And yeah, to where you kind of get to celebrate it and have fun, but I know not all young girls would be okay with that. Some of them might be like, please no. Um, and that's okay. So 
I've heard some stories of moms bringing their daughters out to lunch and just mm. welcoming them and saying, I'm so proud of you and you're beautiful and whatever. Um, one woman told me that when her daughter started her period, her husband brought her roses Aww. and just said like, I love you, sweetie. Like, I'm so proud of you. Yeah. I just think like, wow, what would that be like for your dad to initiate you as well? I mean, what, what kind of standard does that set for the kind of man you're going to pick later in life? Wow. Yeah. Um, and it's funny you asked this question because a friend of mine is just about to start uh, a jewelry line. So spe- specific little necklaces for young women who have started their period, like a little rite of passage. And oh, so awesome. we've been talking about that this morning. Yeah. Yes. So I think just making it a memorable, special experience, if it's more of like a sacred thing or more of like, we're going to go get lunch and have our nails done. It doesn't matter, but showing them that it is a positive experience, I think will will change this next generation's view of their period. Mm, yeah. And showing that it's nothing to be embarrassed about or like, yes. here, read these by yourself and <laughs> ask me uh, questions. Yeah. <laughs> these awkward books with these awkward graphics. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know what in the world, what are the tampons? What I know. <laughs> Where am I supposed to put this? I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> so yep. Yeah. Oh, that's too funny. Well, um, I want to kind of know now, cause I know you have a period reboot program. Tell us a little bit about it and who it's for. Yes, it's the blueprint we all wish we would have had when we started our period. So it goes through the exact step-by-step process to starting to balance irregular or very painful periods. And we demystify everything that we've been taught about our periods. So we talk about the common versus normal when it comes to period symptoms, hormones, um, but in a way that's really tangible and usable. So it's not like, again, your high school biology class where it was like in one ear out the other it's really usable and really um, really potent information to help you connect to not only the physical side of your cycle, but also the more spiritual or sacred side of it as well. The biggest thing that I want women to take away from that course is a, a level of empowerment around their body and feeling like they know their body to where they can make informed, empowered decisions about their health indefinitely. So it's for the woman who feels like she's done all the things, she's dabbled in all the diets and you know, read all the blogs and all the podcasts about how to balance her period, but doesn't see results from that. And she's really ready for a research-based integrative option. I love that. So where can people connect with you and find that program? Yes. I'm on Instagram at menstruation queen. So if you want to learn, yes, more about your period, there's so much good info there. Uh, And then at cassandrawilder.com slash period, they can actually get on the waiting list and learn when the doors open for period reboot again. Oh, I love that. Well, I have one final question and I always like to throw out a little weekly challenge to the listeners. And then when I have a guest on, I have you throw out the little weekly challenge for everyone. So what would you like that challenge to be for them this week? Oh, this is so fun. (laughs) Okay. I've got one. My challenge for everyone is to notice how they feel each morning over the next week and to go above and beyond to honor how they're actually feeling. So what I mean by that is if you wake up and you feel pretty tired, low energy, a little more introverted, what little shift could you make in that day to honor your cyclical nature? And same with vice versa. If you feel really energetic and excited and sensual, what would it look like for you to also make space for that? 
Ooh, I love it. That's a good juicy one. And I haven't had anything like that on. So Ooh, okay. <laughs> and I forgot to warn you that I was going to ask you that. So it was very good on the spot. <laughs> I was ready. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Cassandra. It's been such a pleasure talking to you and everyone go follow her over on Instagram and connect with her program. If you are interested. Thank you so much. Thank you everyone and go out there and spread your peaceful power.